Welcome to the Tide Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Bethay, and this is part two of our preview on the 2020 Georgia Bulldogs football team. On the first half of the podcast, we talked about Georgia's offensive personnel and expectations for the season. And on this half, we're going to address the defensive personnel, special teams personnel, and outlook overall for the entire season. Hope you enjoy. All right, so from there, let's move over to the side of the ball that was exceptional last year. Here uh, we go. This is, is fun. The defense. So defense. And total defense yards, which is really kind of a dumb stat to use to measure defense these days. But UJ did rank number third number three in total defense. They ranked number one in rush defense. They averaged under 75 yards a game. I believe the season high was against uh LSU. You don't really count Georgia Tech because they don't throw the ball. Um and I think in the LSU game we gave up 132 yards rushing, but they averaged less than four yards a carry. And that was literally with them running the ball out at the end of the game when they were up by like five touchdowns. Yep. Um, scoring defense ended up number one in the nation after uh, Oak Clemson got blown to pieces in the national championship game, <laughs> and their defense <laughs> fell like three spots. Right. So we we gave up twelve point one uh, points per game, which is ex- which is absolutely exceptional for a beautiful. Defense. Um, our biggest departures, obviously, were JR, was J.R. Reed and Tay Crowder. J.R. Reed had, like, a low-key, quiet All-American season last year. I don't know that any of UJ people even know he was an All-American. Right. I love you, J.R. Reed. Thank you for everything you've done, J.R. Reed. Like, be- best wishes to you. But also, like, that was the biggest loss was J.R. Reed. Oh, like, we oh, man. are loaded. Everybody is back. Everybody yeah. is back. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a big loss because – J.R. Reed was one of those guys. He's never out of position. No, nope. doesn't miss tackles. No, nope. and every now and then he'll make a he'll make he'll have some. He didn't have the ball production that Richard Count did, but he was the more consistent of the two, the state stable steadying force. Unfortunately for him, he's not big enough to be like a box safety in the NFL, and he's not fast enough. You know, he ran a four or five, but he wasn't considered fast enough or range enough to be like a true free safety. So he's free kind safety. of a tweener. Yeah, and so that really hurt his NFL projection, but. Either way, he's a big loss, and replacing him is going to be very difficult. Uh, more than likely, it'll be Louis Cine who will be the one that steps in, I think is probably the most likely candidate. What are your thoughts on replacing him? So, uh, Louis Cine, I am very – Is it very, Cine? Okay. It, it is Cine, uh, and I'm very excited about him. Um, I, later in the pod here, uh, if we're going to get to sort of newcomers to watch for, um, he's not a true freshman, obviously. He played some mm-hmm. for us last year. But he is on my list. Um, he, when he was on the field last year, uh, really saw some very impressive things from him. And I feel like I even heard him give an interview recently um, where he even like referred to himself as like the feature safety in the secondary or something. I, I don't know exactly what words he used, but it was something like okay. that. Okay. Um, no, that, that guy is going to, he is, he is going to ball. And I like watch out for Lewisine. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I was a fan in the limited time I saw with him last year, and even though we did lose Jr. Jr. Reed, which was a huge loss, going back to that returning production stat, UJ returns eighty percent of their defensive production, which is twenty first yeah, nationally. Do. And this is on a defense that's going to play probably seventeen to eighteen players every game. Mm-hmm. Now, this is some one of the things that I don't feel like was talked about last year. UJ very quietly switched to a four two five, and mm. I don't think very many people realize that. So I'm watching. Uh, spring practice last year, which I got to go on campus for the spring practice. And, you know, I'm looking at this stuff and I was like, 
I was noticing that we were putting four down linemen against one back sets. And I was like, wait a minute, this is our base set. So anytime we play a team that's on a one back set, for the most part, we play four down linemen, mm-hmm. two linebackers in our nickel, which is the position that UJ has always called their star position. Mm-hmm. So that was our base alignment last year. And what they would do is they would take a, what UJ calls their Jack linebacker, who's their defensive end outside linebacker hybrid. They'd walk him down in a nine technique on, on in these uh, four down linemen sets and he'd rush. And most of the time that was Liege, oh, Aziz Ojolari with a little bit of it being a Johnson also, but they were the guys that kind of filled that role as that, as that, um, that hybrid player. And, I don't think people realize that, but what it did is it put more speed in the field when you replaced, you know, an inside linebacker with Nickelback, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Georgia, I don't think, has really found the true player they want to be that star position. That guy is essentially – they really want that guy, to instead of being a slot corner, to be like a slot safety. Mm-hmm. They want someone like, um, well, ideally, an Isaiah Simmons, and they were recruiting somebody like that out of Miami this year, but yeah. <laughs> it didn't quite work out. Yeah. But they want that – that person to be like a safety linebacker hybrid that could cover, but still fit the box. And we don't truly have that player on this team at this time. So they're playing it like a nickel, but that's what I think they're trying to evolve towards. I think um, you're right. They, they did do a lot of that last year and, um, and more and more teams are going that way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just with what offenses are doing. Um, and I'm really looking for Tyreek Stevenson this year. Yeah. To, to, to maybe start playing some of that position. He will. Um, and he will. kind of be mm-hmm. all over the field, like just just really causing trouble, you know, whether he's coming downhill or whether he's going back in coverage. Um, I think they want him to do that. I, I think Mark Webb will do some of that as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously with him being a senior, you know, you can trust him out there. Um, but Tyreek Stevenson is he, – he could be a difference maker in exactly that role you were just describing. And I am pretty sure that Tyreek Stevenson is the reason that Devon Wilson transferred. Because Devon Wilson and Mark Webb essentially split that spot for a good portion of the season. Yep. And by the end, Tyreek Stevenson had moved from outside to star, and he was playing a whole lot and looking real good. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah he was. So, I mean, that's a good option to come back. Obviously, running through the defense, um, in the secondary, you're going to have Eric Stokes at one corner who will be a high draft high dra- pick. They- you know, a second or third round draft pick, especially with the way he's going to run. Go ahead and write that in and pin and go ahead and write in Tyson Campbell on the other side of the field in pin, who has improved tremendously. Campbell was super hyped five-star. I honestly was not impressed with the high school film. People asked me what I thought. My response was, he's fast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I did not yep, think uh-huh. he was great technique-wise. I did not think he was a great tackler. When I saw him in person, I had the same thoughts. I did not think he had very good tackling technique. He improved tremendously at that last year. I thought he got way better. And then he got hurt with that turf toe injury that cut his season short. Yeah. Um, but those two are going to be one of the best corner tandems I'd wager in the entire country. Just like last year, you had one of the best safety tandems in the entire country. So you write those two in, in pin, I would say Tyreek Stevenson and Mark Webb playing that star position at nickel corner. At Jack linebacker, that hybrid position we're talking about, Elite Az- Aziz Ojalari, whose name I cannot say, who was uh-huh, – uh-huh. man, was he good last year. So good. Led the team in sacks. Um, Sam Linebacker, Jermaine Johnson, you might see some of Walter Grant. And Johnson played a good bit last year. Uh, he's just mm-hmm. long, super athletic. That 6'4", 230 linebacker that can run that a lot of teams are using is almost like a nickel linebacker. And then in the middle, you know who it is already. It's Monty Rice. The captain. I mean – 
the captain, and he's he is he will be playing on Sundays. He's a good player, good instincts, good in coverage. He's a very good player. Uh, any thoughts on those first two before we move to the line? Yeah, I mean the uh, especially at linebacker there. I mean, I really think that secondary is the strength of the defense, just the talent we have. Um, but close, but close behind, I, I would put as the linebacker group. Yeah. And we're coming to defensive line, and they got some players too. Yeah. This defense is a, is a thing of beauty. But um, but some of these linebackers uh, are just really it, it's unbelievable. Like the depth that they have, it's unbelievable the depth. Um, and I mean, you know, we haven't even mentioned uh, Nolan Smith yet, who mm-hmm. um, really could have a breakout year. Um, and uh, and you know, I'm really hoping for something good from Jermaine Johnson. I, I think we mm-hmm. already know what we've got in Ojolari. Yeah. Um, and we saw some flashes from Jermaine Johnson last year, but not the consistency. I've already heard some good things about him. Um, I'm I'm really hoping we get a boost from him in that linebacker core. What's crazy is like some of these guys that I thought would be players that you just like Robert Bill and Adam Anderson are buried on the depth chart. Buried. I mean, like Adam Anderson was a stud coming out of Rome High School. He can't get on the field. Mm-mm. Robert Bill can't get on the field. I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's crazy to me. And it just goes to speak to the depth they have. And the truth is, you know that UJ is going to rotate a lot of guys. Um, and nowhere is that more evident than on the D line. So we'll give you kind of the collection of players that we think are going to play because there's going to be a bunch. So Malik Heron, Trayvon Walker at ends are going to play uh, interior. You're going to have Jordan Davis and probably Notori Johnson are going to play a lot there. Uh, also Devontae Wyatt and Julian Rochester. Those are all players that you're going to see get a lot of playing time. So Notori Johnson, this, uh, this might be off air on the, on the Georgia media guide, they've switched him back to offensive line really he was he was was recruited as an offensive lineman he was signed as an offensive lineman they switched him to Mm -hmm. d-line barely played a minute at d-line but when i when i looked at the roster like earlier this summer they've now on on the georgia like georgiadogs.com he is now listed as an offensive lineman. now that's interesting development so the question then becomes who's moving in that other spot to take playing time on the interior at either nose or in the three technique. So I, Julian Rochester, I think. Wow. That um, makes sense. Well, I mean, and so, uh, I mean, Devonte Wyatt is also going to play a lot. Um, probably not so much at the three more of kind of the five. Oh, it's a f- okay. Wow. Okay. I, I think so. I think so. I mean, I mean, definitely interior. I mean, he's not, he's not, yeah. he's not coming from way outside. Um, I mean, I, so for instance, I like, I put a star beside five guys. Like if I were going to project starters, theoretically, I mean, guys that are going to get, you know, starter numbers of snaps on the D line. I think it's Trayvon Walker, it's Julian Rochester, mm-hmm. Malik Herring, Devonte mm-hmm. Wyatt and Jordan Davis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Huh? I can't argue with any of those. And, and this goes to show that like, again, one of the strengths of this team is depth. And if you can help the team, Kirby will put you on the field. And Dan Lanning has done such a good job uh, with creating opportunities for these people to play and using this talent. And so what that does, it helps your recruiting because kids know if I get there and I'm able to help, I will play. They will find a way for me to get on the field. Absolutely. Um, 
One of the things that one of the linebackers I did not mention was obviously at the other linebacker position at Will, Nicobe Dean, who was really good as a freshman. From Horn Lake, Mississippi, just a few Man. miles from where I'm sitting right now. Is it really? Yes, sir. I realize that. Yep. And Channing Tindall, who was another guy that I thought would be a huge contributor coming out of high school, is struggling to get on the field. And Nicobe Dean has taken his spot at the other yeah. linebacker spot. And with Dean, um, you're getting someone that's even more athletic than Tay Crowder. And I think overall just – I think a lot better linebacker. I, oh, that's my definitely. opinion. I think he's a lot better than Tate Crowder. Definitely. Uh, I not- no, I mean, I mean, N'Kobe Dean, God bless him, came in with Roquan Smith comparisons. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably unfair. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that that is how highly, I mean, that's how highly he was thought of um, and found his way onto the field immediately last year as a true freshman, despite battling through some injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, no, a, a lot will be expected of N'Kobe Dean this year. So as good as our defense was last year, there are some areas for growth. Um, to some extent, our great defense production was helped by playing some pretty poor quarterbacks. Uh, we played the backup quarterbacks for the University of Tennessee, South Carolina, technically the backup quarterback for the University of Florida, even though he's better than Felipe Franks, the <laughs> right, starter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the backup quarterback for the University of Kentucky, yeah. the backup quarterback for the University of Missouri, who was absolutely terrible and even you know a good portion of the game with the backup quarterback from Baylor so there is no question that playing several teams that they're starting quarterbacks to some extent did help boost UGA's defensive ratings but overall when you watch this was a team that they covered well and they tackled well and they beat blocks and that's what defense is about it's interesting that I would have told you that UJ's weakest position last year was cornerback, but nobody was really ever able to exploit it, despite the fact that UJ was not good at getting it the passer in the bottom third of the SEC. Mm-hmm. And that would be one of the areas that I would say is an area for growth. Um, whether it be through the improvement of people like Nolan Smith and Elise Ojolari as pass rushers, or through incorporating more blitzes, because we did not blitz as much as I think people thought Dan Lanning would come into the season, as we talked all about havoc and creating mayhem. Lanning did not blitz at the rate a lot of people thought he would. Mm-mm. And the result was we did create a lot of turnovers because we were sound, but we did not create a lot of disruptive havoc plays. And in cases where we did, like LSU, where we did blitz, we sometimes struggled, struggled to get quarterbacks on the ground. And that was the thing in the LSU game. It was like, okay, every time we blitz Joe Burrow, we miss him. We're getting there. And then we sit back in zone, he just shreds us. And granted, not everybody's Joe Burrow, not everybody has Jamar Chase, but <laughs> there is that concern of if you don't improve at the pass rush, will the secondary hold up? The answer is, should be, yes. Yeah. The answer should no, be yes. But I, Interestingly, I think um, when I think back last year about the success of our defense and about the needed growth for our defense, I think about the LSU game. For, for, for both of those categories. Um, I mean, as, uh, as, as much as we struggled uh, in the SEC championship against LSU, we held up about as well as anybody did against them last yeah, year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier this, this podcast, um, how LSU like single-handedly uh, moved Clemson below us in the defensive range yeah. because their offense was that good. And there were some moments in that game where you really felt like, in a different situation, this defense could have done enough to keep yeah. a good offense in the game, which we didn't mm-hmm. have. Um, but also the areas for growth, you obviously saw them in that game. And listen, one of the things is one of the things is the pass rush. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. really, really for the last couple of seasons, 
you know, you know, we've got the athletes and every now and then you see it, but you know, after a lot of games, you've got Kirby talking about how, yeah, we don't get a lot of sacks, but that's because of like the gap assignments and guys Mm -hmm. having to be where, you know, and like, I'm sure some of that is true, but some of that is him like trying to apologize for why we don't have as many sacks as other teams in the conference do like that. That is an area for growth. And that's always been the philosophy of the Kirby smart Nick Saban school is pressure with your front and be sound behind it. Saban's not a huge blitzer and the four, two, five isn't as conducive to blitzing as maybe like a three, four, because again, you're already taking one of your linebackers in a lot of cases and putting him in in a nine technique with his hand on the ground. So he's already coming. And if you blitz one of the remaining two backers, you end up with a very, very, you end up with one linebacker having to make all the run fits. So it's not always sound. So you end up having to blitz by using people in the slot from the corner position. So it can get kind of messy. When we go back to our three-man uh, front and go back to our odd front, that allows you a lot more option for sending pressure. But, we're not, but when we are in our four-man front, the options for pressure are more limited because it leaves you with an unsound box, especially if you don't get there. So you send that five-man pressure – and you have a one, you have one linebacker left in the box. Say that's Monty Rice. You better hope they don't run Q power, <laughs> right? Right. Because that guard gets on him, and he, it's one on one with your safety. So, just some of the things that just part of the chess match that goes beyond behind what we do. And again, one of the things that we were good at was beating blocks, tackling, and covering. And we had one ball hawk in Richard LeCount who makes a lot of plays. He has a yeah. lot of ball production, forcing fumbles, getting interceptions. And you're hoping that Lewis Seen can add to that this year because for, for our defense, the safeties are going to be the ones that get a lot of our ball production. Yeah. And, you know, we're too high most of the time. Our safeties are roaming around, and they are the ones that are going to make the plays in our defense. Well, and, I, and especially when you're talking about, you know, on the passing downs, you know, especially on third and longs and how's that pass rush going to get back there this year's defense compared to last year's defense. I mean, the secondary is the same, except with probably some added depth. The linebackers are the same, except with probably some added depth. Mm-hmm. The defensive line this year, I think, is upgraded in terms yeah. of athleticism. The situation you were just talking about where, you know, when we go to our three-man front and we're able to bring, you know, some more sort of creative rushes, those were the situations last year when Trayvon Walker was on the field. Mm-hmm. And, and he was able to come up with yes. some really big plays. Now it's kind of like Trayvon Walker all the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, those third down situations are probably going to be when we have Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carter on the field. The and defensive Nolan line is, is a bit of a different beast to this year. And Nolan Smith and Elise Ojolari. That's – Stop it. That's, Stop four, it. that's four fire breathers, man. And, yeah. and it's been a while since we could say we've had that. That's right. So um, expectations of this defense. Do you expect, again, sustained – success improvement or slipping i i would have to say sustained uh, i mean to, yeah. to say improved <laughs> yeah it's hard to improve being number one <laughs> that's tough and especially like you said like it's good that you objectively point out the bad quarterback play that mm-hmm. we that we were against last year um i mean if they can if they can do basically what they did last year man that would be outstanding and when we say sustained essentially you're talking about there's not much difference between number one and number four in these rankings. So, you know, the best defense in the college football last year are basically Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. So if you're a top five defense, that's essentially sustained success, but with a little bit better competition. And looking at our schedule, we have the East, and then we'll play Alabama with Mac Jones, who's a very good quarterback. Bo Nix, who's going to be greatly improved. 
Mississippi State with the quarterback situation that is very much in flux and Arkansas, who is probably going to be god-awful again. Um, <laughs> right. So you will be challenged on this year, especially seeing Kyle Trask, who's a very good quarterback. Uh, you're you're going to see some better quarterback play than what you saw last year. Is Kyle Trask the best quarterback we're going to play this year? I would argue it's going to end up being Mac Jones. Okay. All right. But if you had to – coming into the season, if you had to say – who is who, coming into the season? Yeah, on paper, Tim. I would okay. say by the end of the season, it'll probably end up being Mac Jones. Hmm. Okay, all right. On it, and I would say that I think the best quarterback in the SEC might be Kellen Mond. Oof. And wow. I might be in the minority on that, but I, I, I think a lot of Kellen Mond. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, last thing we got to address is special teams, uh, and we can't get through this without talking about the loss of uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, the Grows Award from last year. Hot Rod. Um. I do not know what we have in the tank there. I do not know who our next one in line is. And I don't know what to expect out of that position, out of place kicking. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's Jared Zirkel, okay. uh, who, who, who is a freshman. Um, now, again, we, we actually do have sort of a surprising number of bodies uh, for punter and kicker as well. So there could be one of these guys – who you know maybe was a walk on or something and and actually has a pretty has a pretty steady leg that I don't know about um but I I'm I think it's going to be Jared Zirkle and he is going to be a true freshman he was very highly rated very highly thought of as high school kickers go uh but yeah in in those moments um when you need a big kick uh, we might be turning to a true freshman this year and I need my boy Jake Camarda to Stop kicking the ball in the end zone. I'm sorry. It drives me crazy, <laughs> Jonathan. It's like you see that he averaged like 46.8 yards per kick, which is six nationally. But like half of those go into the end zone and come out of the 20. It it kills me. And they're not even close. It's not like they're dribbling into the end zone. He kicks them like seven yards into the end zone on his punts. It, oh, my gosh. Every time we get across the 50, I'm like, just go for it. Because Kamara right. is going to end up kicking it in the end zone anyway. Oh, my gosh. That just drove me crazy. And he got, he got better last year. But his freshman year, it was like, dude, you, you got to have a change. It can't be your fastball every time. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's um, – and it feels like we've got a long history with Jake Camarda, but he's actually only a junior. He's only a junior. So he's it feels like he's junior. been there for we, five years. We've got, we've got two more years with Jake. Um, and I, and he, he actually has – he has been pretty good. And I, yeah. I, I, expect, I expect good things out of him this year. Um, no, it, it's that place kicker position that, um, man, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to miss Hot Rod for sure. And uh, – Hopefully, uh, hopefully, Jared is is what we need. All right, so let's wrap this up as we're going a little long here. But this has been a great conversation, man. Um, I love the I love the knowledge you're bringing. What do you think is the strength of this team, or the strengths of this team? Yeah, I I think the strength of this team is the defense in general, the defensive backs specifically. I completely agree with that. Um, completely agree and, with that. And honestly, it's it's kind of hard to pick. As a position group, it's it's hard to pick between the defensive backs and the linebackers, but man, I think this secondary. I, you're talking about Tyson Campbell, Richard LeCount, Tyreek Stevenson, Lewis Seen, Mark Webb, DJ Daniel, Eric Stokes. I mean, all of those guys are ready to go. I mean, that they are set. I mean, that is to say nothing um, about you know the young guys that are coming in. Um, everybody really, really likes Ringo. Um, actually, mm-hmm. we didn't even mention or DJ Daniel, who started last year, who started last year and was was a really good cover corner. Um, 
reminds me a lot of DeAndre Baker, actually. He's not going to get those kind of talent comparisons, mm-hmm. but the way he covers reminds me a lot of him. Um, uh, Ringo is now dealing with an injury and is, is about to have surgery, I think. Um, I okay. So we'll see when he comes back. But, um, man, that, that secondary is so, so deep. And you need it so bad. You need it so yeah. bad in 21st yeah. century football. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Kirby, you know, he played defensive back. He coached defensive backs. I mean, everything that he knows about defense just comes from that. And if he feels like he's got that secondary where he needs it to be, then everything else falls into place for him. Um, defensively, that is the strength of this football team. And I think it really starts in the secondary. I, Richard LeCount is probably is probably the leader of this defense. Yeah, I mean, oh, without question. He's, he's circling the huddle. Yeah, so just so you know, Kirby Smart still coaches the secondary. And I say that half-jokingly because when I got to go watch practice – Kirby walks from the microphone and he is like a child on an ADD sugar rush um, at practice. <laughs> it's not fake. That is who Kirby is. He's running around screaming at people, patting heads, slapping butts, yelling, cussing. And he is the way he is on the sideline all the time during practice. Right. So, but what's funny is as much as he'll talk to all the position groups, he always comes back to the secondary. He cannot help himself. Mm-hmm. And he'll realize it. He's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's offensive priority. I got to be rooting for the ones on offense. But he can't help himself coach the secondary. And uh, Richard account, man, as a leader, unquestionably. And I, haven't, I got a chance to talk to him uh, when I got to watch. I got to sit in one of their meetings and talk to him. That kid is super smart yeah, and yeah. super sharp. Uh, so nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, he will be playing on Sundays. I, I, one concern that we've talked about me and Scott is that, uh, he's got to run a good 40 time because he is undersized. So he's going to have to run well. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. he will, but as a college football player, he's got all SEC all American potential mm-hmm. and he is unquestionably the leader of that defense. So, uh, what are your concerns for this team? Yeah. So, um, to kind of mirror what I said, my concern for this team is the offense in general, the <laughs> offensive, the offensive line specifically okay. is, is, is my concern. I mean, w- when you look at the skill position players, I, I mean, I, I just really feel like we do have the talent there that we need. It's going to all have to come together in the right way. And a lot of that's going to depend on Todd Munkin. Um, but it, I just don't see a lot in the skill positions that, that makes me nervous you know, the offensive line, I don't know, like we said, we don't know who's going to be at that right tackle position. Whoever it is, it's going to be, you know, a young guy. Um, and then the depth there, you know, it's, it's, it's not what it has been in, in past years. Now, if some of these really, really young guys are ready to go, then, then we do have depth. But if these young guys are not ready to go, um, I just, just trying to be objective maybe even trying to be a little bit uh, Larry Munson pessimistic. <laughs> um, if, if there's a position group where I like where things could be, you know, less than what we need to have like a national championship type season, it could be on the offensive line. There's a lot of bodies there, a lot of recruits that everybody in the country wanted. I mean, we're, we're better off than some, but the offensive line is a concern for me. Mm. So, I would say, in general, my concern is the offense, but specifically, less to do with players and more to do with coaching. Mm. So I think my concern would be, and I know this is kind of a cop-out, will Kirby <laughs> Smart allow Todd Munkin to run his offense? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if he does, I have no concerns about this offense. Because 
if you take last year's offense and put it with this defense, we're moonwalking the nine wins. Right. I mean, I mean, without it, without even blinking, I think yeah. we're still winning nine games or at least eight at minimum. You know, we have you could have a tough game beating Auburn. You know, but uh, you're moonwalking eight wins with, with last year's offense, which was yep. subpar. So if this offense is actually a plus offense, oh my goodness, like we really could have a shot at the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and and you think that depends on Kirby letting go of the reins a little bit? I do because I think if if Munkin's allowed to run what he wants to run, and I, I know I'm oversimplifying here. I don't know that Kirby. I'm not saying that Kirby has been the problem with their offense. I think it's a complicated issue. Like I really don't think James Coley was the answer, but I do think Sam Pittman was restricted by what Kirby Smart wanted to do, because Sam Pittman's a guy that's done everything from five wide at Purdue to two tights and a cloud of dust in the SEC. He's done, <laughs> right. everything along, he's done everything along the spectrum. And I just have to believe that what we ran here is a reflection of what Kirby wanted him to run. Yeah. Because Pittman's versatile. He can do it all. And here with Munkin, you're hiring a coach that's got a spread background, although he's always been bouncing around the ball. He has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you let him have his thumbprint on this offense, that's really what I mean. I'm not concerned. There's enough talent. Like you said, there, there is enough talent. Um, any other newcomers that we missed that you want to highlight? I don't think we missed any. I was actually just kind of looking down. I mean, we, we talked some about uh, Jermaine Burton, and I mentioned my guy Tommy Bush. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, I'm just I'm hearing things. I, that's that's all I'm saying right now. I'm I'm hearing things, um, and even Kendall Milton, we got into a little bit. So um, no, I, I don't I don't think we really missed. Like on the on the offense, I think I'm I'm looking at. Tommy Bush, I'm looking at Jermaine Burton, I, just somebody to step up there in the wide receiver core, and then who's going to start at right tackle on yeah. the defense, um, especially in third downs. I'm going to be watching Jalen Carter, and then I'm also going to be looking at Lewis okay. Seen a lot. I think he's going to be yeah. a big player for us this year. Yeah, the little bit I saw him, I was actually impressed. He needs to get a little bit more weight on his body because he, he is actually a pretty good tackler and a pretty physical tackler, but at his size, he will not make it through the season. I, at the size mm-hmm. he was last year, I'm like, he is a little bit on the lean side, and um, but yeah, everything I saw about him left me feeling really good about him getting more playing time yeah. and expanded role this year. So, uh, if UJ misses the CFP this year, in your opinion, what went wrong? Yeah, if, if they miss the CFP, if if this season is is not what we wanted it to be, I think it's because probably two things. Number one, it's because the offense really, really struggled. Mm despite the changes, despite the new coach, despite the talent, um, it's because the offense really, really struggled. And or it's because we had the annual how in the blank did Georgia uh, lose that game game, right? Yep. Georgia fans out there, y'all, y'all know what we're talking about. Every year there's a game that we, ne- we had no business mm-hmm. losing that we find a way to lose. I don't even need to say which one it was last year. Yeah. It, so if we miss it, it's because I mean, because I just can't on paper, which is all we've got on August yeah. the 15th on paper. I can't look at this defense and find out how it's going to fail us. Yeah. Um, so even with injuries, cause you have so much depth, so much depth. It's unbelievable. And so, yeah, if, if it goes wrong, it's because the offense, all the changes didn't pan out and, or because we just found a way to Georgia this season again. <laughs> The I'm going to second that and I'll add here. It could, the only other way I could see it happening in addition to what you said is just circumstance where 
we beat Bama the first time, lose the second time, and we end up on the outside looking in. Yeah. You could potentially, if we play the season to fulfillment, have to play Bama three times. Ugh, no, thank you. Like, like, folks, listen to this. Let's say you lose to Bama in the regular season, beat them in the SEC championship game. You can see them again in the college football playoff, especially if there's only three conferences involved. <laughs> that's right. Right. No, I mean, like, that's a real possibility. And that would absolutely suck. So yeah, I'm not interested in that at all. I, hey, listen, no. that's, that's what we got to do to get to the natty. Um, and that's what we got to do. But yeah, man, uh, sh- show me the other road. But, but like you said, let's say you beat Bama that first time and lose the SEC championship to them. We don't have the pedigree of an Alabama on Ohio State. We will get left out. I mean, yeah. you, know, you don't know how everything's going to shake out, especially with the Big Ten out of it. I, you, you don't know, but, I mean, it would be so Georgia to be ranked, you know, third in the country going into last week and then drop to sixth like all la TCU <laughs> and get left out, you know, after yeah. having beaten the team that's probably number one or number two in the nation. So yeah. circumstances are a possibility when you play in the SEC because we do not have an easy schedule. And, yes, Auburn could legitimately beat us. Alabama could legitimately beat us. Florida could legitimately beat us. Just don't lose to Mississippi State. Don't slip <laughs> up against Kentucky. Like Yes, yes, yes. Don't do one of those. Right. All right. So, last but not least, give me your final projection for this year. Record, expectations, blah, 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 blah. I mean, are are we expecting anything less than a playoff run? I, I mean, I, yeah. it, it, I'm certainly not. Uh, based okay. on – Based on what we did last year, based on the changes to the offense, um, I mean, Kirby, Kirby's recruiting master plan is now in full bloom. I mean, he he has all of the talent uh, that that he's that he's wanted to have. So yeah, I mean, the expectations are you know make it back to the playoff um, and and obviously like be a serious contender for the national championship. Uh, Am I projecting we do that? Yeah, I think I am. Uh, obviously, we've got Alabama, uh, you know, in the regular season, and that's going to be an incredibly tough game. There's certainly a road where we lose that game and are still okay, yeah. uh, you know, to possibly make it to the playoff. And so, um, no, I think, I think anything less than that uh, is, is probably a disappointment. I mean, that's just where we are. Now, I'm going to say this, and people are going to throw rocks at me in their, on their phone screens, but uh... – <laughs> I'm seeing an eight and two season. Whoa! But still making the SEC championship game with a chance to make the CFP. And Florida ends up with two losses. They lose to LSU and someone else, Kentucky, uh-huh. and uh-huh. you end up in the you end up in the championship game. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of how to. I haven't worked it up, mapped it all out, but I could see us losing two games. Like I think that's a realistic thing, and I think this year with the expanded conference schedules, you could see a two loss team make the playoff. Because you yeah. have to think about it. There's only three power five conference champions right now. Right. So some conference is sending two people. Yeah. So no, that, that's I, true. Uh. <laughs> and what I very clumsily try to say is I think it's possible that we could lose two games and maybe still reach those goals just because of the weird way the playoffs going to be set out, set up. I think I think my hope would be for a nine and one season and of course win the SC championship. I mean, obviously. So ten and one. So uh so yeah. No, I, I agree with you, and but I guess in terms of projections, I mean, on a game-by-game basis, who on our schedule do I expect us to lose to? 
Uh, we should be favored in all but one game this year. I, th- I think we're going to be favored in all but one game. And even in that one game, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have high hopes. So, you know, on a game by game basis, yeah, I'm, I'm projecting nine and one probably in okay. a playoff run. Okay. And I think the floor for this team is four through six finishing the year, number four through six in the country. I think it's the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't think this team is ever at any point in the season out, out of the top eight. I really don't. Mm-mm. No, I no. think you're right. Awesome. Well, uh, Jonathan, thank you for jumping on, bringing such good knowledge and information. And this has been fun. We will definitely be doing this again. Uh, but this is Dave Bethay for the Title Run Podcast and Jonathan Lewis. Jonathan, tell the folks good night or good morning. Let's try this again. This is Dave Bethay for the Title Run Podcast. Jonathan, tell the folks goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. <laughs>